there, everyone. Welcome to the Bubble Hour, where real people tell real stories of addiction and recovery. I'm your host, Jean McCarthy. I write the blog Unpickled, which is my story of life after alcohol. You can find it at unpickledblog.com. I tell my story there, and I invite you to share your stories here. And what a story we have today. I met this lovely spark plug of a woman at a meetup that I went to a few years back, and she was just taking her first baby steps into recovery. And we stayed in touch over our online group, and I watched this lovely soul go in and out and in and out and struggle and be frustrated and be mad (laughs) and finally get it. And that's the story that you're going to hear today. This is my friend Jan, and she is on the line now. Hi, Jan. Hi, Jean. Thank you so so much for being here. You're very welcome. It is my pleasure. So I don't feel I did you justice as I was introducing you. (laughs) I, I, uh, I mean, I could tell a lot of stories about you, but, you know, the first impression I had when we met, and we didn't know each other before this meetup this was one of those hey let's go That's spend right. a weekend with strange strangers from the internet <laughs> situations <laughs> everybody does that right so yeah totally normal thank yeah. you and uh uh so this was a, a recovery meetup of of uh brave women a few back a few years back mm-hmm. and my first impression of you was your bright blue eyes just i feel like you just looked into my soul and oh. you have like this sparkle about you that is very lively and your inner child I think is very close to the surface because you have a lot of mischief in your eyes so I don't know if that's how you see yourself but that was my first impression of you and I thought well this girl's fun I can just tell (laughs) (laughs) is that what it feels like to be you (laughs) no it actually um I had to find that girl I had to find that little girl and when you met me, yes, I I was just starting on this journey, but I can honestly say I definitely wasn't in recovery. I was I was just doing steps and not really taking this serious enough about what this could actually do to my life and how and how it could affect myself and everybody around me. I was just going through the motions and not really doing the work. So, no, I didn't see myself then like that. I'm starting uh-huh. to now. Oh, for sure I am now, but not then. It was it was a long journey. It's been a long uh-huh. while. Well, tell us your story. Let's let's go back a little bit and, and let's sure. hear about, about where it started for you. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to start at the end. I'm going to start with I am 122 days today in recovery. I can say that now. I can, thank you. It feels amazing. I could never say that before because I really wasn't doing a lot of the inner work. Um, I've had, oh, I'm your chronic day oneer. I, I was looking back, you know, knowing that I was going to come on, I was looking back at my history and at my journals and everything, and I think I stopped counting at 20-something day ones, another day one, another day one, and it was just like I just wasn't, getting it. I just wasn't putting in the work that needed to be done. Um and you know, I could go 
I could go two or three days and then the fourth day, oh, that's been really good. And by the fifth day, I'm cured and everything's fine. And and I go right back because I'm fine. I'm not an alcoholic. I can drink. I can quit for those five days. Um, it, 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 I would continually do that. I've had longer stints. I've had 120 days. I've had 200 days. But nothing ever has compared to what I have found now. Um, yes, 122 days and feeling really good. And I think really what got me is really looking inward and doing a lot of work on myself and getting help doing a lot of the work and realizing that I needed to stop this myself before somebody else told me I had to stop, before it became something so out of hand because I drank alone you know mm-hmm. a lot of people can relate to that I was I do my little bit of drinking before a little bit during it at a, at a party or something but I would come home and I would drink alone and so a lot of that work like people weren't saying or thinking anything of me they weren't thinking that oh Jan Jan's drunk again Jan drinks every day oh my gosh can you see how much she can drink nobody saw that part I was put together, I was happy, I was bubbly, um, not a care in the world, fantastic marriage, which I do have. Um, everything the world could offer, Jan has. Well, no, that wasn't really me, and I was just dying inside. So it was my realization, I mean, even my husband didn't really realize. I would say, I drink too much. People, no, you're fine, you know, no, you're okay, or... It just became, um, we, this, this was our activity together. We would do this at night. We'd watch movies. We'd, you know, sit around and have two, three drinks. He'd go to bed. I'd stay up and have four or five more. It just became something we did together, but it became something quite more for me. Mm-hmm. So I had to just rein it in and say, Dan, you know, like, you got to stop this before somebody does tell you to stop. A doctor, your husband. And I crossed so many lines, Jean. Oh, my goodness. I know. I'll stop when this happens. I'll stop when my liver enzymes aren't normal. Well, that was two years ago. I'll stop when I black out. Well, that was two years ago. Um, one of the really, really personal things that, that happened was my kids phoned a couple, well, I guess about, I don't know, a year ago. And I didn't want to talk to them because, they'd know I was drinking because I'd be slurring. Mm. That is, I was so ashamed. I was so, so ashamed of what alcohol had done to me that I just needed it to go away. So on December 8th, I said no more, and I have not looked back. Um, I feel so good. It there has been hard times. Absolutely, there's hard times because it's so inbred in you. About like I couldn't watch TV for about oh, thirty days. Seriously, thirty days I could not watch mm. TV. Sorry, I'm taking a sip of water. Um, I couldn't because I couldn't sit on that couch without having a drink in my hand. Just little things. I dinner, you know, I couldn't make dinner. Didn't want to do that because I had to have a drink. And these are all the things that led me all back to my day ones, you know, like, I can't do this. I just need one drink. And I would try and moderate. And it, 
it it just never worked for me. So it had to be all or nothing. And on December 8th, like I said, I gave it my all. And um, I'm looking forward, not back. Not at all. I feel great. And it's just not an option anymore. It's not an option. I don't drink. I just don't drink. I don't make excuses for it. I just don't drink. And if people can't accept that or if people... um, look at me funny about that i really don't care like they say those aren't my people they want to ask me questions about it i i'll talk about it because i think everybody has a story somewhere and to share your story is is a really great gift for somebody in the world somebody will hear you and and you'll make that difference to a person so whether sometimes you know you might be telling your story to somebody and they're looking at you with blank eyes and you're thinking, oh, my God, why am I doing this? It, it it still might filter to somebody that it can help their life listening to you. So, yeah, if they ask me, I'll I'll let them know. But I've, I've had my turn drinking. I'm done now. I don't need that. And it, it's really true this time. It really is. I feel like my insides match my outsides now. And, yes, I feel like I'm getting my sparkle back for real. Because I know it's in there, as you say, you saw, but I certainly didn't feel it. It's coming back. I'm me, and what I'm finding out now is I'm okay. I don't have to make everybody happy, and I don't have to be perfect, and I don't have to make people laugh and go to everything I'm invited to. I can say no, and I can be a big girl. Hmm. So that's where I'm at now, how I got here. That sounds like Go a ahead. great place to be. That sounds like a really that's that's what it's all about, isn't it? Like that's what it everybody is. wants. Yeah. It is because you know, alcohol took so much away from me. So much of my spirit, so much of my personality. I thought I had a better one with it, but I don't. <laughs> because, and at least now I remember a lot of things I say too. Um I I thought I needed it for so much because I mean, going back to the start, I'm 58 years old. I've been married be 39 years this year. Believe it. Oh my God, it, that's it's amazing. I have I have a very 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 supportive husband, um, who drinks. He will drink. There's alcohol in the house. Um, doesn't really bother me. Sometimes it did bother me, and I would tell him. I'd say, you know what? That smell today is not. Is not doing me any good, and he's very, very respectful of that, and he just won't drink. So that's very, that's very helpful to me. It really is. Um, yeah, 58 years old, 39 years married this year. I suffered from social anxiety a lot when I was when I was little. I think I had my first panic attack in grade two. It was it was horrible. I remember everything about it. I mean, I, I don't know. I've never actually asked if somebody else could remember their very first one. I remember where I was, the smell of the school office, my mom being mad because she had to come and get me, and she had two other kids with her. And I think I had a, I had a, well, not the happiest childhood, absolutely not. My mom was a daily drinker, and I kind of got used to that. I'd come home from school and and there'd be a drink in her hand, and I thought, oh, that's very adult. I can't wait till I do that. And as the night kind of went on, she'd kind of slowly disappear into her own little world and her own little happy place, and, you know, that's kind of how I remember my mom growing up. 
so it wasn't really, I didn't get a lot of love and affirmation, and I didn't think I missed it until I started to really dig deeper and realize that, yeah, I missed it. I absolutely missed it. And I think that's a lot of the reasons why I developed the anxiety, is I just thought I wasn't good enough, I wasn't getting the attention, so what wasn't I doing? And it was it was very difficult. And this is this is stuff I found out, like, in the last, year and a half or so of just really finally going deep and about 20 other day ones because it's tough stuff and sometimes I'd get through it and not want to have a drink and sometimes the urge was so strong that I would drink again and go on again and feel ashamed and feel guilty and have a day one. And then mm-hmm. go to five days, go to ten days, maybe thirty this time. Who knew, right? And then stuff would come back again. So I still, I still didn't get that it wasn't helping me. That it was just, it was bringing me down even further. And the more that, the more that I had my day ones, and I come back to having a drink, the more alcohol it took me to get into this place of just, ah, okay, I don't have to deal with this anymore. I don't want to think about stuff anymore. I don't even want to think about not drinking. I just I just love the spot that I got to. It was just nothing where my brain would shut off. I didn't have to think about making anybody else happy. I could just sit there and lose myself. Mm. And each day one would take more to get me there until I realized that I could just sit and... I could drink a lot, <laughs> and that's scary. That is really scary, and the blackouts would start happening, and my husband would tell me things that, oh, yeah, I remember we said we're going to do this, or you did that, and what was happening with you? And I was like, I I, for, I never admitted it, probably till about two months ago, really, honestly, that I was having blackouts. I would just try and, you know, fake that, oh, yeah, right, oh, I don't know what I was thinking, or something like that. I just never admitted it to him until yeah until a couple months ago so that was news to him and he just kind of looked at me and went oh it was kind of Mm -hmm. really i felt really ashamed but um those are truths right it's my truth and it felt good to get that out and i just wanted i just wanted it to stop because the more I had day ones, and the more I would put off realizing and really looking at the truth about my life and me, um, I I was just faking it all. I just I had to get to the real place, both inside and outside, and that's what I did. And it feels great. It took a lot. Um, to anybody out there that is having day ones after day ones, don't stop trying. Really don't stop trying. The light's going to go on. It really will. And I never believed that. People would say that, you know, oh, you'll get it one day. Just don't stop trying. I'm like, oh, my God, really? Like, I'm never going to get this. It felt so bad. And it just felt wrong because I really didn't want to stop. That was the truth. I really didn't want to stop because I love that place where it took me. And what what could compare to that? To just sitting there with nothing on your mind, nothing in your brain. But that's not a way to live. 
That's a way to die. And I wasn't going mm-hmm. there. So I quit. And I'm not looking back. And I'm still dealing with a lot of um, emotions from my past. And emotions just because I blocked them for so long, right? You would drink them away. My husband and I would have a little argument or he'd do something that would make me mad. And i go, oh, I'm not even going to deal with that now. I'm just going to sit and have a drink later. Bad day at work. Oh, I can't wait to get home and have a drink. A happy day. Let's have a drink. A sad mm-hmm. day. Oh, let's have a drink. It was always about the drink. So I was never really feeling anything. I was never really feeling what it really felt like to be mad or to be sad because I would probably get halfway there and block it off. So I'm feeling everything now, and that's really hard. It's really, really hard. Um, talking to people about it. Writing has been a real big deal for me, writing. I used to write a lot. I stopped when I drank because, well, I couldn't for one. And, and it really, it's just like... With one eye open, it's too hard. Yeah, and then I, if I did write, it was like, what is that? Like, I couldn't understand it. I just couldn't understand it. So I have started writing again. I also drew. I hadn't drawn anything for a long time. I've started to do that. I've just found pieces of me that have been lost. And it's scary and it's wonderful and it's like, why did it take me so long? And dealing with the, you know, dealing with the stuff that I put back on the back burner and pushed back for so long, it's coming out and it's coming out okay because I know I'm going to be okay now. I don't need, I don't need that alcohol to hide it. I want to feel it. I want to go through it to get out on the other end okay. And that's kind of what's happened for me. It's been like a revelation. Um, do I miss it? I can honestly say no. Um, I, I really don't. I'm actually afraid. I, When I think about having a drink, I don't think about the drink. I think about the feeling. That's what I want. And that's what I ask myself. If, you know, if everybody's sitting around there and you know, sometimes my husband has said, it'd be nice if you can have a drink. And I sit and I think it through and I think, do I really even want that taste or that, you know? It, no, I don't. I want the feeling. I wasn't drinking to drink. I, I wanted that feeling. I was drinking to get to my place, my calm, my happy, my I can deal with whatever now place. I wasn't drinking to be social. Never. I was drinking to get drunk. Always. So have you found an alternate route to that place, or have you found that actually being in that place is really just numbing? Like, do you just not need to go there anymore? Do you find I don't need to? to. Yeah. Ah, yeah. It just, it was numbing. It was, it was numbing, and I don't need that place. Do I need to relax? Yes. (laughs) Because I have, I have a ton of energy. And, you know, I think a lot of that, was quelled by the alcohol, and I wanted it to be quelled because I didn't know what to do with it. I, I had all this energy, and I, I didn't know where to place it. Um, but I have found I'm, I'm trying to learn to meditate. It's really hard for me because <laughs> it's very hard still. for me to sit still. Um, I have um, hooked up with a fitness trainer, 
So I am back at the gym. I am starting to, I used to lift quite, not a lot of weights, but I used to be, you know, I used to, I love weights. So I've got back to that, and I I want to try and take up running this summer. Ooh. Just not competitive, just for me, because when I look at people running, I see them just like mindless and just going with the wind, just, mm-hmm. you know, running stuff off. But as far as that feeling, no, I, I that numbing feeling, was, it's scary to me now. That's why I just don't want to go back mm-hmm. there. Yeah. I missed a lot, and, and I lost a lot, and I don't really want to do that. So, yeah, I'm trying to find alternatives. I think my drawing is really helping me, and um, I love to color. I have coloring books all over the place. I love to color. Um, I have journals everywhere, and you know what? The thing was, when when I was really actively drinking a lot, I would buy journals and, and think, I'm just going to write everything down. I'm just going to write this down. I'm going to this will be for my new day one. This will be for oh, this is going to be for the things I want to do. Jean, I have so many beautiful journals <laughs> that I am regifting. It's insane. <laughs> it looks like a library, but they're empty books. Cuz I just never did anything but drink. Hmm. But yeah, all those intentions all the best yes. intentions. Yes, all the best. Um, you became a grandma last year. I did. Oh, my gosh, now, I did. So tell me about how you feel about being alcohol-free for uh, in your role as a grandma. I feel present, always present, never hungover, never at 3.30 if, we're in a park playing. Am I thinking about going back and having a drink? Um, I feel real. I feel like when the, when he looks in my eyes, he sees me. There's nothing masking it. There's no fakeness. There's no fake happiness. It's just it's it's grandma. It's just grandma, and they um, they can leave me with him anytime. I I had a, a friend who was dealing with some issues with alcohol too and I just remember the sadness of the daughter not wanting to leave baby with mom right with grandma Mm -hmm. that's hard that's really hard I feel so bad for all of them because that you know it's terrible what Mm -hmm. alcohol can do Mm -hmm. but yeah being alcohol free as a grandma wow I couldn't imagine it in any other way I feel like, you know, we talk about not numbing, but being in the present is a big part of recovery. Like being able to tolerate each moment gives you the ability to stay in each moment. And, I mean, that's what meditating is really kind of about, is being like really anchored in the moment. And um, and when you have little people in your life in any capacity, um, their childhoods are so fleeting that... Um, if you're not in the moment, and when you're a young mom, I mean, my gosh, you're so busy. Really yes. hard to be in the moment because you've got a million things to do. But when you get to this delicious grandma stage, <laughs> mm-hmm. you have the time to just stare at their little noses and listen to them tell you a story and have no distractions. And um, I know what you mean, like to not be thinking in the back of your head, okay, if I can get him down for a nap, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah. 
no, of course he wouldn't do that. And uh, no. you're, you're, you're there for him, you know. And oh, I just so get that. I think that's so lovely. And does that motivate you to stay with it, too? Are you finding that that's yes. part of your motivation? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, that's part of my motivation. Um, again, myself yeah. first, because it, times when I look back at some of the things I had written, it was always for somebody else. I think my first huge success at sobriety and my actually my first day one was when my dad was diagnosed with per, uh, pancreatic cancer. Mm-hmm. And prior to that, probably, probably about two or three months before that, um, we used to always get together and play cards with my mom and my dad. And and he mentioned something about, boy, Dan, you can really you can really drink. You know, maybe you should think about cutting back a little bit. And I was like, yeah, you know, I've thought about that so many times, Dad. You know, I really, I really should think about that more serious. And when I moved away from home, far away from home, um, thousands of miles, I'm away from my family. Um, when I got the phone call that it was positive and he had pancreatic cancer, I quit drinking. But I quit drinking for him. I wanted his. I wanted to make him happy. I wanted his approval. I want him to know that I was a good girl. That, yeah, and even I have four other siblings that I was. Our family, our family has a history of great family gatherings, but always invo- involving alcohol. Alcohol was always at family gatherings. It was, it was, just a big deal. Everybody brought their own booze, and we drank, and you could always tell as the evening wore on. You know, the alcohol was you know, kicking in with everybody, and I often wonder some days what it would be like to actually be sober with my family. I don't know if I could actually take that. I don't know, because <laughs> it was so prevalent in everything that we did. So for Jan to actually not drink, is like, wow, Jan, like I wanted to be different and up on that pedestal, and yeah, all the wrong reasons. It wasn't the right reasons. So what happened? Pardon me? What happened then? Um, I went through um, with my dad being sober. I flew in when he was at his last couple months to stay with my mom because he went into palliative care. And uh, he looked at me when I arrived at the hospital, and he said, how many days? Wow. And I... And I told him, I know, and I told him at that time, it was 145, Dad. And I remember him just patting me on the head with his hand, and he kissed my nose. And he said, good girl. And I was so proud. I was so proud. And I continued on, staying sober, and, you know, I'm really glad I did. Uh, There were so many moments there that I, I would have missed. Um, my family, you know, after seeing him during a day or something, would all go back and meet, and they'd all have drinks. And I knew I couldn't just have one. It wasn't just one. If I was having one, I was having a hundred. If I was having one there, I'd go home and get into the liquor cabinet at my mom's. I that's the way it was going to be. And I, I didn't want to get up with a hangover. I wanted to be absolutely present for my dad. Um, when he passed, I stayed another week or so. And on my flight back, I was 
Not that I knew it then, but I was planning on having a drink already, and I didn't even know I was planning on it, but I was. Hmm. So I was back here a week, and I had a drink because I deserved it. And I went that long without alcohol. I deserved that drink. And I was with my dad when he died. I deserved that drink. And that started my, that actually started my rounds of day ones. From there, like I said, it was maybe 60 days, 30 days, 20 days, 10, 1, 2, oh, maybe tomorrow. There's never a right day to do it. If it, if the number's even, I'll do it. That was one of the things. <laughs> it's an odd number. I can't do it today. I like even numbers. You know, it was just, it was never. Any excuse. Yeah. Any excuse. Any excuse. Anything. So, so well, yeah, how many years planning. ago was that that you started? When my dad, when I started, mm-hmm. it was in, I believe, early 2014 when my dad passed. But Googling am I an alcoholic was like five, six years ago, mm-hmm. seven years ago. Mm-hmm. And I found so, a wonderful online group. Yeah. And, yeah I started that online group. Oh, it's a big game changer, isn't it? How did it help you this time around? I, I mean, you were part own. of that group while you were in and out. Were you posting yes. while you were in and out? Yes, I was. What was that like? Very embarrassing. And a very, and I was very ashamed, but I needed it. I needed the support. I absolutely needed the support and, and the accountability. And the, towards the end of of my day ones when they were chronic, like day one, then three days later, another day one, then four days later, before I quit December 8th, um, I wasn't posting. I think I posted once. I know I reached out to you and some other people about what was going on with me, but I wasn't posting because, you know what, I knew the answers. I knew them. Mm -hmm. I just wasn't doing it, and I didn't want to hear it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now, you were feeling shame, but when you, if you did post or the times where you reached out to people, I mean, I know what I would have said to you, um, but our listeners might not know what kind of response you'd get. Um, you you felt ashamed, but the responses you got weren't weren't shaming, were they? Oh, my gosh, no. I felt ashamed having to say another day one. Oh, the support, it was amazing. It just, it lifted me up. It gave me hope. Again, yes, okay, yes, I can do this. I am worthy. I am, I'm I'm good. I can do this. I just, I have to, I have to really bear down and I have to really get into this. Oh, no, it was, it was so supportive. It, it was the best. The because I think best. that keeps people afraid to join support groups or meetings or anything to feel that they'll be, they'll be judged as a failure, and to know that you get encouragement when you reach out is probably quite a surprise. Do you oh, remember is. anything specific that was really helpful or touching that that someone said in one of those moments? Is there anything that kind of like rang in your ears over over the time? Oh, there's. So, <laughs> off the top of my head, um, I really can't think of anything right now. Okay, let me put it to you this way. Okay. If I if I called you up and said I relapsed and I can't get, I fell off the wagon, I can't get back on, what would you say mm-hmm. to me? Stop now. Put it down now. 
don't pick it up again. Get some water, drink some water, go write it out, go walk it out, go talk it out. Just don't pick up again. Do not pick up that alcohol again. Don't stop trying. Absolutely do not stop trying. Because sometimes some people need to try a lot. I mean, I learned a lot every, every I'm not going to say every day one, but my falls were big. And I learned a lot about it because the more I fell, the scared the I got. And the more I, I realized I had to lose because this this couldn't go on the same way. And I would just tell people, don't give up hope. You can't give up hope because you've got it in you. You do have it in you. And if you don't, you find somebody that can help you. And there's mm-hmm. so many people out there. Mm-hmm. Just don't keep That's it to true, yourself it? because it is. And your story, like like when we were talking, I was saying, well, my story is not exciting. I'm, you know, like, but for somebody that has a thousand day ones, it might give them hope because I yeah. certainly did. I had them. And you just got to keep going because it was that important to me that I went through all of that to get to where I am now. Mm-hmm. I didn't stop. You never mm-hmm. stop. Never. And, and what about shame? What do you say to the shame now? Because I feel like that's dissolving for you. It is. Mm-hmm. It is, because I think the more honest I was about it and the more I talked to people about it, the more I realized that, hey, that's just my story. Everybody has a story. Everybody does. This is mine. And I'm not alone in this. And that's another big one, too. I'm not alone in it. And the only person I think that can make me feel shame is me, and I don't feel shame. It's just Mm -hmm. part of who I am. It's like panic attacks. It's part of who I am. People that were closest to me, when I had them, I'd say, okay, guys, like, I'm just going to go off the deep end right now. This is what's happened. I was totally honest with them, and they knew. Really? Oh, yeah. (laughs) They just were like, okay. Okay. <laughs> like I, I can't do this for- spark plug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, wow, what are they going to get with Jan today? <laughs> uh, you know, when we talk about shame, I do I have a feeling that for at least for a lot of us, um shame is is something that our addiction uses against us. Like, and I I talk about our addiction and you know, you almost anthropomorphize it. Um, Mm -hmm. give it a personality because it's a part of your brain that fights to stay alive. Like we spend all these years teaching our brain that it's going to get alcohol every day at a certain rhythm of the day. And, you know, we train it to want this and then we take it away and wonder why it fights back so hard. But it's really been trained to think it's necessary and it's coming. And when it doesn't come, uh, our brain's going to fight to survive. our, Our mentality, like the addiction itself will really pull out all the stops to survive, and it's so craving isn't enough to make you give your brain the thing that it wants, and it'll try, you know, to be a little bit trickier. And uh, and so it'll try the shame, or it'll try the I'm not that bad, or the what about, or the, um, you know, um, just all the, it pulls out all the stops and plays all the tricks, and I'm not worth it, and... Um, and those things seem so real when we think that they're true. But as soon as you start to think of it in terms of it's your addiction having a tantrum, fighting to stay alive, it makes you see it completely differently. Oh, absolutely. 
I mean, a great example of that is TV. Like, I seriously could not. Actually, even being in the living room or the den where the TV was, I couldn't be there. Because I'd walk in there going, whoa, something's missing. Like, my brain knew that something was missing. I could not sit and watch TV, even a show, even Grey's Anatomy. I've watched that from day one. I couldn't even watch that. I just finished six episodes <laughs> because I couldn't watch it in real time because I couldn't sit. Just yeah. sit. And I said to my husband, oh, probably about three days ago, I said, do you know what I just did? And he said, no. And I said, I just sat and watched a TV show. A, without a drink, B, without a mouthful of popcorn. Like I had to, after the drink, I had to have something in my hand, right? So I'd eat popcorn like crazy. It wasn't plain popcorn. It was Orville Sweet and Salty, which calorie, (laughs) woohoo. That is the best stuff. Isn't it? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. It definitely replaced the drink for a while. But then I sat a couple days ago. I forget what day it was. And I watched a show without even realizing I didn't have a drink or popcorn. And that was huge for me. That was Mm -hmm. so big because that was part of my plan. That's what you did, right? Your whole thing, you pop the popcorn, you pour your drink, you sit down. Right. You know? It's soothing. (laughs) Yeah. Your brain, it was expecting that. And when it doesn't get that, it's like, no, you're not watching the show. That's it. (laughs) So I stomp out of the room and I do something else. Mm Yeah. Yeah. That sounds very familiar to me, and uh, a helpful piece of advice that I heard on this podcast early on, and I believe it was Ellie who had said it in a very early episode, was to do everything different, like come in your house through a different door, rearrange your furniture. If you sat in the orange chair and watched Grey's Anatomy and drank wine, then sit on the couch and drink tea and read a book. Like, (laughs) change up all your routines because to try to keep everything the same but without a glass of wine in your hand is really just i mean it's it it's a pattern for relapse right i mean shake up your patterns especially for daily drinkers i think it's harder to do that for binge drinkers but for daily drinkers if you can disrupt all the patterns that lead you to alcohol and you might have to back up to your mornings even if you if you're setting up, you know, if your whole day is sort of spent setting up your afternoon drink um, yep. just by by version of, um, by way of doing things that are unbearable all day. <laughs> that yeah. you have to drink at the end of it. <laughs> then change yeah. your day. It's so simple, yeah. but it's not so obvious when you're in the beginning because you're just really trying to, I would, I, for me anyway, I just tried to just take the alcohol out and yes. not change anything else because I felt like it was the only thing that was that I didn't like about my life. Right. And um and it turns out it's it usually isn't a standalone problem even though it looks that way. Yes. So as you're kind Very of peeling true. back the layers and and you so you've gotten to a point now where you're sort of learning something some new things about yourself. I you am. said you're rediscovering that little girl inside of you. You've rediscovered I some am. creativities. Mm-hmm. You found some anger that needs expressing. What else yes. is in there? <laughs> oh, what else is in here? I love life. I don't want to hide from it. I want to try new things. Um, when you're actively drinking every day, 
by four o'clock you probably started after oh yeah three or four o'clock i'd start and you just stay home mm-hmm. i haven't discovered a lot of things i haven't discovered a lot of my likes yet and there's things i want to do and there's things i want to try um i'd like to write a book i'd love to write Ooh. a kid's book i've got the yeah. illustrator already lined up so i'm going to try that um see how that goes i i I don't know, but it's something I want to try. I'm, I have less fear, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Like, really, I really do. Before, I had so much fear about trying new things because I think it would impede on my daily drinking. Well, I can't mm-hmm. meet somebody here now because, my goodness, that's when I have my second drink. Or I can't do this or I can't do that because it would just mess up my drinking during the evening hours. I remember the first time... I did quit um, and sitting outside, looking outside and going, wow, people walk outside at 7 at night? <laughs> like, there's a lot of people out there. Because I, I would never even stop to look at that. Uh-huh. You know, you just, you just that was your focus. Getting to my spot. Getting to my, uh-huh. turning off my brain spot. Yeah. Yeah, when I'm a people pleaser, I always think about what I had to do, who did I let down, and, oh, I didn't do this today. And it was just my spot to just numb out and be free. Have your sleeping patterns changed at all? Um, yes, they have. I it was I had a little bit of trouble at the beginning um, sleeping because usually I would just fall into bed and, boom, I'd be gone, right? I would, I'd never pass out. But I would just, you've, you know, you've had three, four, five, six drinks. Rum mm-hmm. was my drink of choice. You just fall asleep. You couldn't stay awake if you wanted to. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, my, my sleeping patterns definitely have changed. It takes me longer to fall asleep, so I've kind of set it up where I start reading, which I never did before. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. you were drinking. So I'm reading a lot before I go to bed. Um, I... Um, my my habits of getting ready for the next day at night have changed. I never even used to get ready for the next day. But now, you know, my dishes are done. Everything is cleaned up. So when I wake up in the morning, it's a fresh start. I have mm-hmm. nothing left over from the night. I don't have to look at dirty glasses or look at the bottle and wonder how much I drank or anything like that. I My routine is different. It takes me longer to get into bed and longer to fall asleep. So, therefore, I'm tidying up, getting ready for tomorrow, and reading. And I sleep good. I'm sleeping good now. At the beginning, I didn't. Um, I had a drinking dream. I never had those before. It was horrible. I never had one before, Jean. Honest to God, I never had a drinking dream. I woke up with such terror. I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) It was so scary. Okay, so for someone who hasn't had a drinking dream, just kind of explain yeah. what that what that's all about. Just so you you dreamt that you were drinking again, that you were yes, yes. Dip. This was yeah. like probably I don't know halfway through, so maybe a month and a half, almost two months. Um, I woke up and I was sweating, and all I could remember is my dream where I was at I was at a party and I was sitting on twenty four beers. And I was drinking out of a bottle of wine, and I was, I was so drunk, and I was just sitting there swaying on this, on this um, box of 
whatever you call them, beer, uh, 24 beer. And I woke up thinking, where was I? Did I black out again? Did, oh. did, did I drink last night? Like, it was horrible. It was, it was so horrible. Yeah, and you think you drank. Like, it, t- it took me a good minute which doesn't sound long, but when you think you've had, you've been drinking, oh, yeah. that's a long time. <laughs> it's like, it okay, is. Okay, hold it. Hold it. I'm at home. I'm okay. I didn't drink. It was just, it was horrible. I'm Googling drinking dreams unpickled because I know I wrote a blog post about this a long time ago, mm-hmm. 2015, and, and I had actually looked at um, what the drinking dreams meant. Here's what okay. it says. It says, um, so let me see. So it kind of says. What are you going like, to tell me, Jean? <laughs> well, it says if your drink, if your alcohol use was incidental, like you didn't realize you were drinking and suddenly you were. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one thing. Then there's the other kind of dream where you are drinking about dreaming about using intentionally and pleased to find yourself drinking without consequence. So that would be an example of a wishful longing for alcohol, and your response to it should be to spend some time considering all the benefits of your recovery. Like that could be a, that you're missing alcohol. The first one where yeah. you like where you're do 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 do. You know, I was at a party and then I looked down. There's a glass of wine in my hand. That dream. Yep. Um, that's yep. more of like a familiar backdrop of alcohol, and it's just. And then it's shocking, but it's really just more your brain getting used to, like, oh, yeah, I don't do that anymore, and it it forgets, and it dreams about it. Um, Yeah. So then you have to ask, were there consequences to drinking in the dream? If yes, this is a good sign. It shows the subconscious is aware of consequences and plays them out. If not, heed the dream as a warning that the subconscious might be responding to the lure and appeal of alcohol as relief. And was the drinking in your dream a solution to a problem you're dreading, like an awkward social event or a big work project or public speaking requirement? And if that is, then take note that you're stressed about this and you're defaulting to the old fallback of booze. So it sounds to me like your dream was that familiar backdrop situation where you were dreaming yeah. about a party and in, yep. and in, in your brain's vast experience, party equals alcohol. And the fact that you actually woke up and were like, ah, I'm not happy about this is a good sign. It means you value your sobriety and you you want to keep it. So, oh, I absolutely do <laughs> That is really interesting. And you know what is even more interesting is the night I had it, I was talking to somebody about, what everybody saw to me in high school, because I'm at a high school. Somebody somebody wanted to connect with me from high school, and I was like, nope, thank you, because I can say no now, because I'm an adult. <laughs> I said no, because this person knew me then, and that wasn't who I really was. And, yes, I would. I had social anxiety. I didn't sit on beer, but I definitely had social anxiety, and I'd have drinks. I'd feel better. i feel like the life of the party, because, really, my – me in school, I was a bookworm. I was an A student. I was, I was like a nerd, and oh, all my you? friends would make fun of me. They'd make fun of me because I was like the brainiac. Oh, she just wants to get good grades. Oh, she's studying tonight. So I'd go. The first time I had a drink, I was sixteen. They saw me with a. They gave me a beer, and I ha- and I had a sip of it, and they were like, "Yeah." So I started getting invited to all these parties, and and yeah, I was. That's what I was telling my this person about this 
this friend that wanted to meet me. I said, that's not the real Jan. They don't know that person. I know. I said, no. And I'm glad mm-hmm. I did. I didn't feel any guilt about it, but that's the night I had the dream. So it was yeah. probably. Yeah. yeah. That, that makes, makes sense. total sense. Yeah. It does. Yeah, but they're awful. It is awful because it's like they're you feel awful. like you've relapsed. and yes. Yeah. I haven't had yeah. one for a long time, but I do still occasionally have them. And now that there's so much talk about um, pot legalization, I sometimes have these dreams where, you know, I'm at a buffet and I've accidentally ingested an edible. Oh, and no. um, I feel like we're in for a whole new a whole new frontier when it comes to that. And by the way, just, you know, I'm bringing it up. You mm-hmm. can tell me what you think about this. But in my opinion, even though society is accepting of pot and legalizing it and that there's mm-hmm. edibles and there's um you know there's oils for health and things like that i'm really of the of the mind that sobriety means sobriety from all drugs and alcohol and i think that it i think a lot of people um need to be reminded of that as all these new temptations come up i mean we're both in canada so legalization right. is happening here i think this summer so uh, it is July. I think it, yeah so if you're wondering, people, what I happen to think, I really believe that um, if you're sober, you don't eat pot brownies, except in your no, dreams. No, I, I <laughs> wake do up agree with you, too, because yeah. alcohol is allowed. Alcohol is legal. Right. Same thing, right? Same thing. Yeah. Same thing to me. I, I just have such a value for my present brain, my brain, period, because wow and yeah your brain takes a real toll when you drink an alcohol you forget things your brain i'm i think i'm rewiring still and i'm very cognizant of that i'm doing crosswords more and puzzles because i think i killed a lot of brain cells and i'm trying to get them back um (laughs) it's and it's nice to remember like honest to goodness the little joys you get out of life it's like when the phone rang this evening for you with you on, on the phone i was like I didn't have to remember where the phone was. It was like, okay, I know. It's the little joys in life that I'm not willing to give up. And an answer to your question about is there one thing that that sticks out in my mind, I don't know who said it, but think through the drink. Oh, yeah. That is so big. Um, Even if it takes an hour of you sitting somewhere just thinking, if I have that one drink, what is going to happen? How is it going to play out? That's a that was that's a that was a saving one for me. And even still now, um, I'll go. Okay, yeah, fine. You might want the drink, but no, you don't drink. I just don't right. drink. I don't drink. Period. I Period. Uh, I have to. I want to give a shout out to someone who wrote to me this morning. Um, okay. A young woman. Her name is Elizabeth, and. She's struggling, and she's on her, you know, probably what feels like her millionth day one. So, hi, Elizabeth. Thanks for writing. And I had said to her, well, you need to listen to the bubble hour because I'm going to talk to someone today who's who's been through this. Mm -hmm. Same thing. And um, you're not alone, and it can be done. But what I wrote back to her um, was, uh, you know, just – just do the next just get through the next minute get you know get through the day when the day things seems too long get through the, each minute and when that minute's done get through the next minute and and if if in the next minute you think i think drinking is a really good idea you know shoot me an email and ask me what i think 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if yes. I tell you it's a good idea, then you can go ahead and drink. But you can't, you know, just give yourself, reach out to somebody. And and uh, and if you, you know, if before you do that, of course you're probably going to say, no, I, I already know the answer. I don't need to do that. But just do the next right thing. That, that was one of the... Um, mantras or expressions that really got me through i mean it's the same in the way of think through the drink like do the next right thing and and remember what does happen if you do drink what does that lead to i mean whoever wanted one drink i don't know i don't know anybody that ever wanted one drink oh oh my gosh i can't i still don't get that (laughs) there's a clue right there right like no what do you mean no that no i don't understand that that i don't and that that tells a lot to me, so I never yeah. wanted one, never, ever. Yeah. And for anybody, you know, out there that when 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 I say think through the drink, you think it's going to take you like two hours to get over the fact that you want to drink. Sometimes it takes like two minutes, mm-hmm. you know, really. Sometimes it's just a distraction that you might need or or just trust yourself. Just sit there and think about it and... And you'll get through it. You really will. And if you can't, you reach out to somebody. There's so many people, so many people that will have your back. Yeah, that's a good point. It's, it's true. Uh-huh. It doesn't. Cravings don't really last long. The obsession no. ends fairly quickly. I found that yes. the obsessive thoughts don't last that long, and cravings. I mean, obsessive thoughts last longer, but they are they end after a few weeks of sobriety in my experience but the the cravings become less intense and farther Mm -hmm. spaced apart and as you say like it really is only a couple minutes can you get through a couple minutes can you breathe can you have a sip of water uh and lamont says you know a simple a cool sip of water and a warm pair of socks go go try that sometimes that does the trick and sometimes on your way oh go ahead sorry oh my goodness look at the the bridge (laughs) <laughs> uh, we have just a couple of minutes left, and I've neglected to ask you about this because you quit. You said you quit in early December, so mm-hmm. uh, you were, you know, in in the early fragile, like grape without appeal stage of of early yeah. recovery through Christmas and New Year's. So, how the heck did you get through that? Um, thinking through the drink, <laughs> no, every day, I did. I really thought through it, and and the big thing too was my family, and being present, and uh, just my determination to prove to myself that I could do this. This is because this is what I wanted. I'm not I'm not going back there. I'm not going back there. But I did a lot of thinking through the drink, and playing it forward, and it never ended good. It never ended. Were you were you at a lot of family functions? The ones that you said were always, you know. No, I stayed away from them. I stayed away from big groups, um, just because a I I really don't like small talk. So again, I am an adult. I can say no. I don't want to go. Um, so I I didn't go to a lot of big group things. It was mostly with my immediate family and uh, my grandson and mm-hmm. some really close friends that knew what I was going through that totally are supportive. So it was good. I, I didn't want to set myself up for failure, you know, and I think you, you have to be really aware of that too. There is, you know, you might have some limitations. You just, you go with that, right? You know, I'm glad you said that because I think it's important that we give ourselves permission to not do some of these things. Like, oh, yes. You know, um, 
excuse me, as I grunt. <laughs> my brain's ahead of my mouth. Um, I had a letter from a reader that said, you know, there was a girls' weekend coming up, and um, she was afraid to quit because she was afraid that then, you know, this girls' weekend would be impossible. And, uh, boy, I really related to that. And the fact is, yeah, you know what? Like, you have two choices. You either have to not go and know that that's the best thing for you or go and tell your friends what's different or tell a friend on the trip what's different and that you need her help. And and if there's no one in that group that cares enough to help you through that, mm-hmm. then maybe that's a group that it's okay to not do as many things with, you know? Um, yes. So there's always something. And, and when I think back on Christmas three years ago, I can't remember who was there and who wasn't. Like the world isn't going to stop if you or I don't go to our family Christmas that yep. year. Yep. It's just it's just another Christmas. It's just another day and there will be more. <laughs> there will be. And I'm protecting I'm protecting my sobriety. This is mine mm-hmm. and it's gold to me. I'm protecting it and what I have to do, I'm gonna do. That's well, how much it I want. It's my heart good to hear you <laughs> saying this because I I could see in your eyes from the moment I met you that you had fire in you that you could do anything you set your mind to but I guess that fire can sometimes mean that there's a lot of pushback in there too right and uh, it's harnessing that stubborn streak and harnessing harnessing the submission and then putting it in the right direction so I'm really really happy for you it's really just beautiful to hear your joy and determination thank you thank you before we go, do you have any just last words of encouragement for anybody that's struggling today and needs a pep talk? Don't stop trying. It's there. You have it in you. Believe in yourself. Believe that you have it in you to do this. That's what I got. That's good words. That's good thinking. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Jean. Uh, thank you, Jan. And listeners, if Jen has touched your heart and you would like to connect with her, give, send her a message of gratitude or any feedback, uh, email it to me and I will make sure she gets it. So my email address is thebubblehour at gmail.com and I will forward your messages on to Jan. And I guess that brings us through, I can't believe it, another hour of uh, sobriety talk is is just goes oh, does my heart good i can do two so hours this is <laughs> isn't this easy <laughs> yes no i well, good just, come back I, again come back again and uh and tell us uh how things are going down the road and um I will. thank you from the bottom of my heart thank you so much from the bottom of my heart you're very welcome <laughs> <laughs> okay listeners that's it for the bubble hour this week so until next time take good care Not proud that that was me And when I face it I take back a little dignity Not looking for excuses I just want to be free from power Weakness head on me In a darkened corner is where shame lies behind Always think you're strong you keep it all the time.
my power. 